Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in life, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and a lot of joy and fun in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today, I am pleased to introduce you to a brand new friend, and I mean brand new because we just met five minutes ago. Her name is Ellen Dye. Ellen is an author, intuitive coach, metaphysical teacher, and a public speaker. A near-death experience in 1985 expanded her psychic abilities and created a link with some very loving and humorous guardians of humanity and the ancient wisdom. They provided her with a vast array of information about life on earth and the evolution of mankind. Ellen publishes a monthly newsletter called Tunnel Vision and that's available on her website lionmagic.com and is the author of a metaphysical fantasy novel for all ages called The Search for the Crystal Key, an adventure about believing in yourself and the power of love. Ellen is also working on a new book, Creating Heaven on Earth, One Soul at a Time, a how-to manual from the perspective of a near-death experience. Ellen Dye, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much, Sandra, for inviting me. I'm so excited. You're welcome. And like I said to you a couple minutes ago before we started recording, I feel like I've known you for a while. Um, Your voice is just familiar and loving, and I get the sense you've got a big smile on your face like I do on mine. I do. (laughs) You must be psychic. (laughs) No, I can hear it. You know you can hear when people are smiling. I know you can. And you've got, gave me the visual that you've got a kitty sitting on each side of you, um, probably wanting to be pet and loved. And you're in Maryland, you said, and I'm here in Massachusetts. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself and why, why, this is a big question, you believe in life after death? Sure. Um, well, I... Uh... I believe in life after death for for many reasons, uh, m- mostly two experiences that I've had in my life that were huge, uh, starting at a very early age, and I'm a baby boomer, so this was a long time ago, uh, <laughs> when I was 12 years old, Okay. <laughs> and my mother was uh, dying of cancer in the hospital, mm. and um, I was home. And uh, I was in bed asleep, and I woke up, and she was standing in my room. And she looked just as physical, uh, as real, as solid as anybody else does, but she had this huge glow about her all around her and coming through her. And um, she, you know, she told me that she loved me and that everything would be fine. Now, granted, later I thought, yeah, easy for you to say you're not here. But, (laughs) but, but, you know, she, she came and she said goodbye and, and then she was gone. And, um, I got up 
out of bed and I walked into the living room where our grandmother was. She was staying with us. And I said, you know, mommy died. And, you know, my grandmother burst into tears and she said, oh, no, honey, you know, she's very sick, but your your dad's down at the hospital. And at that moment, the phone rang and it was my father calling from the hospital to say that my, you know, my mother had died. Mm, wow. And, uh, so it was sort of at that point where I realized there's a lot they're not telling us, you know, that's going on right. that they're not telling us in Sunday school, and I'm going to find out about it. Hmm. So <laughs> that set me, that set my feet solemn, or solidly on the on the uh, the seeker path for for the rest of my life. And you know, when when other girls in high school were sneaking out of the house to go on dates, I was sneaking out of the house to go to seances. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, let so, me ask you, know, you a question, Ellen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the only parent I've lost is my dad, and that happened just four years ago as an adult. Um, but would you say because you had that vision of your mom that it made it better? You know, I mean, you probably it was probably your first time losing a loved one, but do, do you think it, did it give you any um, peace that you had seen her? Oh, absolutely, because... I totally knew that she wasn't dead. I mean, it, it's such a paradox, Sandra, because, you know, it's it's like you can, you know, she's not dead, but you know, the body is dead. Mm. Okay. You know, I, I didn't have her there to hug or to, you know, feed me or, you know, any of those things to lean on when, when things were bad or to celebrate with me when things were good. She, she wasn't there in the physical, but I knew beyond a doubt that she was there in my room that night, not in her body. Yeah. So I knew it's like, that's why I said there's stuff there's, they're not teaching me in Sunday school because Mm -hmm. I knew she was alive. And, and how do you, have, you know, at 12 years old, you really don't have any kind of a model or a context for saying, wait a minute, she's dead, but she's still alive. What does that mean? Right, right. But I knew. That's awesome. And, and, and of course, after that, you know, I mean, I think this happens to everybody if they're open to it and they watch for the signs. You know, there would be times when I would just know she was there. I could feel her, you know, near me or, or just little signs like a smell in the room. I my mother always wore Chanel number five and at, at, at certain times, um, especially I think when I was lonely or, you know, especially during the teenage years when everything is, you know, feels like life or death and, yes. And and you're just so in so much angst all the time, and I'd be sobbing in my room over some guy or something, or because my father wouldn't let me, you know, go out on Friday night, whatever <laughs> upset me, you know, and and suddenly I'd get a whiff of Chanel Number no. Five, and it and it was like I I had no doubt at all. It wasn't that. Um, I tried to make myself believe it or anything. I, I was just sure. That's great. That she was there. So I know it helped. I mean, now 
granted, you know, losing a mom when you're 12 is, is not a fun thing. It's, it's a, you know, horrible, devastating thing. And, and losing a loved one at any time is, but, but truly knowing that just that deep knowingness, not just a belief, but a knowingness that, that she continued, that she was still there, um, really meant a lot. Now, it, it got frustrating sometimes because I'd know she was there and all I really wanted was a big hug and I couldn't get one. Yes. No, there's nothing <laughs> uh, like physically, physical but, hug. Yeah, I understand. Right. But it does, I, I do think your grief can be much, much, much worse if you don't have the faith that um, they're still around. So thank you for that. Exactly. So, so the second thing, mm-hmm. so here I'm on this seeking journey through my whole life, reading all the metaphysical stuff and going to the classes and, you know, everything. Uh, I really immersed myself in it. Um, in 1985, I was in a really bad head-on collision in a car, and I had a near-death experience. Wow. Tell us about that. And that just picked up on, <laughs> you know, where I left off <laughs> when I was 12. <laughs> so, well, it was um, it was an amazing experience, and I was very lucky that I had actually read about them. Um, at that at that time, there weren't a lot of books out about, certainly not about near death experience. I think Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life. Yes. Uh, was the only one out, but I had read it. And I had read a lot of Robert Monroe's books yes. about out of body experiences, although I'd never had one myself. Right. So here I am, I'm driving down the road and I'm approaching an intersection um, with a, a cross street that went kind of at an angle and there was a traffic light and another car was coming straight toward me and at the last minute he decided to turn with no you know no warning or anything and I had enough time to think oh my god he's (laughs) I don't think I even got the word turning I don't I don't know whether I actually got my foot up off the gas pedal or not because it happened so fast and I did not feel any kind of um, impact. I just suddenly was looking down at the top of my car from about what seemed about 20 or 30 feet above it. Hmm. And it took me a second to, <laughs> to realize that my, my viewpoint had altered dramatically. Sure. You know, it's like, what am I looking at now? There's this, I had a yellow car. So it's like, there's this, yellow thing there and uh oh the the guy in that other car is walking over to my car and he he reached in and i thought isn't that nice he's checking to see if i'm all right because at that point i realized that there had been a a, an accident it turned out he turned off my headlights because he wanted to pretend that i had been negligent and had contributed to the accident oh so you saw him turn off the headlights <laughs> i tur- saw him turn off my headlights okay and and uh so i ended up you know getting a ticket for that and 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to tell the judge that I saw the guy when I was out of my body, right? Uh (laughs) Fortunately, I didn't have to do that, but that was an issue later. But at that point, I totally lost interest. And I thought, there should be a tunnel of light around here somewhere. And I heard, it was almost like I heard this big whoosh. And, And, you know, there it was, this big tunnel of light with this... And the thing is, the light was so bright, but not bright enough to hurt your eyes kind of Mm. thing, but just really, really bright. But the thing that was the most compelling was that it felt alive and it felt like the most amazing love you've ever experienced. Mm. And it felt like joy it felt like bliss and there was no question I was going there because it just kind of pulsed at me and called me and um was there any fear Ellen or any um I I had none leaving the body or any of that confusion nope and and as I say I was lucky because I had read about these things because I once I oriented myself and knew I was looking down at my car and, mm-hmm. and realized, wait a minute, if I'm thinking I'm looking down at my car and my body's in the car, then who is I? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I am not my body because my body's in there and I am up here. Wow. So... I really had no fear at all. I was excited. I was just like I, I think I didn't really like being have being in life on Earth. Anyway, I I always found it very hard because I'm I'm an introvert, hmm. and um, so I was happy to get. It was a, it was the greatest adventure of my life, and I I'd been a seeker all my life, and I was about to get answers. <laughs> oh, that's great. So I was excited. But but the other thing, for anybody who doesn't have that background, I think once you feel that light and that love, any kind of fear that you would have would just evaporate. Because you just know. I mean, nothing nothing can feel that much like love and, and be bad. Yeah, and they say you can't feel love and you can't feel fear at the same exact time. So that's I I I think that's true. And this and this is unconditional love. This is such all-embracing love that we've never felt on this planet before. We don't wow. we don't have it here. And and part of it also is that I felt like I was going home because I felt like that's what I was made of. Hmm. So, so that's the thing. It's like, so I I went through this tunnel. It wasn't very long. And, and, and I came out into more light and, and I felt on one hand, I felt myself that I was so expanded. I was, I was such a huge, expansive being. I couldn't imagine how I fit in that body. 
it would be like kind of shoving an elephant into a Coca-Cola can, you know? I mean, it's like, it's, it was just too expansive. And at the same time, I felt like I was part of all of this light and it was part of me and that I was home and I was in the, the raw materials that, that I was made of. It's kind of, again, it's that paradox of feeling, I was feeling separate and feeling like feeling as an individual still, but also feeling like I was part of everything around me. I can understand your words. I mean, I can visualize it (laughs) and and see it and kind of try it on, but like, I'm not getting it because I haven't been there, but I can, I can only imagine it. It's probably the most magnificent feeling ever. It, it really is because, well, you know, when, when you get, when you get back in a body on earth, it feels so alien <laughs> afterwards because you've been where you belong. I mean, there was such a feeling of being home. Oh, and then beautiful. I saw, then I saw all of my dead relatives, quote unquote dead, because they weren't dead. They were right there in front of me Same. and they, they Pardon? No, say more about that. Because that there's people I've talked to who've had near-death experiences that didn't see anybody, but they felt like mm-hmm. their loved ones were there. And, you know, I sure want to believe that when I go, my dad and my grandmother are going to be right there. So tell us what that was like. I I saw all of them. It, I, and it was such joy. It really was. It was like a homecoming. It, there was such joy. And, and by that time, I've lost, I had lost several other relatives. And, but of course, the first one I saw was my mother oh. and, and she looked, now I'm going to cry. She That's looked, okay. she looked, she looked younger than I ever knew her. Wow. <laughs> I had, I had seen pictures of her young and beautiful and, and, and there she was. And, and it was so good to see her and, and, uh, you know, paradox again, it's like, obviously I don't have a physical body there, right? right? They didn't have a physical body, but they appeared to be physical and I felt physical and, and it seemed that I was looking at things through eyes, although I could, had a much wider viewpoint, you know, I could, I could see farther in every direction and, and it felt like we were hugging and I could just feel the love from her and all my other relatives. I mean, we hugged and greeted each other and, um, you know, four, four grandparents at that point and um, several aunts and uncles. And um, but the interesting part to me was that there were um, there were relatives that I had never met while I was alive on earth because they had died before I was born. Okay. But I knew who they were uh, because I had seen pictures, but, and they knew me, but, but here's the, to me, the most interesting thing. I, I was adopted as an infant and I didn't know anything about my birth family. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had birth relatives greet me, as well as relatives from my adoptive family. 
Wow. And somehow I knew who they were too. My 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 birth father um, had 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 died in 1962, and um, or 1964. I'm sorry. And and uh, so, and he was there, and I knew who he was. And his parents were there, and I knew who they were. And and that was, and it was as if I had I missed them just as much as I had missed the other relatives that I had grown up knowing. Hmm. It was it was really fascinating. Sure. <laughs> and and but you know but the biggest thing was that there was you know it was just just such a feeling. Of, of total love and you know with your parents especially when you're when you're younger I mean you know you have those times when you're bad and they punish you and you're like nah, 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 I don't like you anymore no, you know right I and know stuff. just what you speak of yes but, <laughs> but none of that you know and you think that and and they had to kind of put on this persona of being uh you know being the stern uh disciplinarian sometimes or whatever and you know all of that was gone you know anything that that I might have remembered about oh yeah I remember when she used to <laughs> get really mad when I did that yes. I mean none of that was there none of it was there the only thing that was there was love and acceptance. Oh, that's wonderful. And 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 it was this sort of thing of, you know, an understanding. I, I uh, later it, during my NDE, when I was talking to these uh, beings of light who told me quite a lot about humanity and and evolution, and. It, it was a, it was a sense of we had all agreed to to play whatever role we had played for each other and and I felt that um, before I got the the ideas of it I felt that when I was with them that oh didn't we do a wonderful job with each other didn't didn't we play out that that game uh well, didn't we do a good job? That that even even my mother's death when I was twelve was part of something that we had planned out together. That sure is good news for those of us who might be having a disagreement with someone, or you know, we know after death of a loved one, so many times there's arguments within families and things like that. Um, yeah, to me, that sounds like good news, because I think you might agree that we all have some learning to be done out of each and every situation that happens. And if we all planned on playing them out, it it would be learning and growth for each of us, right? Exactly. And that we had, now, you know, we didn't plan every conversation we're going to have, and mm -hmm. we didn't plan every reaction we would have to every situation. But, but um what stuff. I got very clearly, <laughs> yeah, the big stuff, the big stuff. We planned the big stuff, like like the loss of a parent. Right. And I was fascinated to find out. I mean, this this was verified later when I did find my birth family. You know that my my birth father had died in 1964, and and I was just so struck that obviously I had planned. I was gonna lose a parent at a young age. Either way. Mm -hmm. 
So we have plan, you know, we have plan A and we have plan B. If, if my birth mother had decided at the last minute not to, you know, not to arrange an adoption for me and, and to um, get, you know, actually she ended up marrying my birth father, um, I, I would have lost a parent Anyways, yeah. early on that way. Sure. So it, it really was, it really was astonishing to me that, it's like, wow, we, we set up so many of these major things in our lives. And, um, you know, and then when we're back on Earth, it, it feels like such a, it's a, you know, it is a horrible tragedy when these things happen. But to me, it makes me feel a little bit more, I don't know, in control maybe, mm-hmm. that, that somehow, you know, other than, oh, you know, there's a divine plan. I mean, there's a divine plan, and then there's actually a plan that we, as our expanded soul selves, you know, set up with, with these other other beings in our lives to to kind of create a tapestry of our life to, or, or a play or, uh, you know, whatever analogy yeah, you no, want to no, use. I, I get it. <laughs> what happened next? What are these? Well, oh, well I, I won't jump ahead, but I want to hear about that, the beings. At, at that point, at about that point, you know, when I greeted everybody and just, uh, it was just so nice to, to, um, to, to have that love. And, and, it, and it is funny because now, you know, whenever I think of my mother, I, I think of that, the total unconditional love and acceptance that I felt there, not the, you know, <laughs> not the punishment the for not cleaning up your room. Me in, exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She was a much kinder, gentler mother in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but um, so about that time, I realized that I really wasn't there to see them, to solely see them. Right. I was there to talk to some other other people or something, and but I wasn't sure what, and I was starting to get a little bit. disoriented because all I could see was this unrelenting gorgeous light and you know we're used to uh, linear time and we're used to 3D and we're used to colors and that kind of thing and and landscape you know and and I thought I I really wish this place looked more like a place and and with that, it's I, I, it's suddenly before my eyes as if as if some great artist just sort of like started painting it in front of my eyes. It it morphed into this um, into this park like setting, and and there was green grass and flowers and trees and birds, and um, the the colors were unbelievable. The colors were alive and they were vivid and you know more vivid and diff- and brighter hues than I've ever seen in on Earth. And That's amazing. Um, You're the second person who said that. It's just like the colors were alive. And, oh, totally. And the same thing about the the vibrancy. And somebody said it was like there's colors that we don't even have here on Earth. Oh yes. Which and I can't put my head around, but it's, it seems I, I know, pretty because we've, incredible. We've never seen them, and um, I I did see animals, like pet um, animals or animals, like pet animals, like yeah. pet animals, and um, 
uh, let's see what else and children playing and and to me you know people talk about you know what do you hear what what's the sound of heaven and we think you know from our training we think of harp <laughs> harp music yes. to me the sound of heaven is laughter oh and 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 that's what i heard was laughter and 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 the squeals of delight that that children do when they're playing I know that, that sound. You know, that kind of laughter, just that total joy. And and that's the sound that I equate with, with heaven, with being home. Nice. And and so I, I saw a path, so I followed that. And um and 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 then I found myself at this um at at this clearing and oh now that I mention now that I say it it comes back to me that there was kind of a pavilion with open side just with columns but no walls Mm -hmm. and and I found myself standing there and I was in a circle of beings of light there were about um, 12 of them and they were very tall (laughs) and I'm 5'4 and they were about maybe 10 feet okay and um, but they and they and glowed of course and were very, very, uh, they, they emanated that same love and accept, total acceptance. To, and, and that's the thing that is just, it's, it's almost devastating in its, in, in its purity and its, and its amazing quality. Because I felt like I was being seen for exactly who I was, the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. and and all the things that anybody had ever judged me for and all of the additional things that I had judged myself for. Sure. And they took it all in, and they loved every bit of it. Oh. Every bit of it. That's... There was like n- nothing of me that was not completely understood, seen, accepted, embraced, and loved. That's beautiful. It it was. <laughs> this is this is why I have trouble on earth. Yeah. I, I understand. I'm tr- I'm trying to visualize that experience and I can't relate it back to anything because I haven't had it. I can only it, project it what I, I think it would be like. I don't yeah. I don't think it can be experienced here. No. Uh, perhaps parents with babies. I mean, I think I think babies probably get as close to that complete acceptance as, and love from from their parents mm-hmm. uh, as, as as we experience on planet Earth. But mm-hmm. it was it really was this you know an amazing thing to have these these large glowing beings of light um just love me in that way and accept me in that way which also of course inclined me toward after i came back toward accepting myself in that way although that was a little harder sure <laughs> But um, so 
we, again, it's all, we don't have bodies here really, but it appears that we do. We uh-huh. kind of like bodies or whatever people call them. And it, and we didn't have mouths, so we weren't speaking using vocal cords. It was all telepathic, but it, it, it seemed like it was uh, conversation. Okay. And they told me all about, you know, why we're here and, and, you know, how man is evolving and what's coming up next and um, what we're supposed to get out of life and what we're supposed to put into life on planet Earth. And, and, um, can you give us a few of those answers? I can. <laughs> those are like <laughs> the meaning of life. Oh, they told me. Yeah. What would they say, Ellen? What did they say? Now, the, the worst part is that most people, you know, a lot of people get told all this stuff. And, and you know, when we come back to Earth, we forget it. Right. We forget a lot of it. But but the cool part was, and now that we have uh, computers as an analogy, which we didn't have in 1985, it, it was, a lot of it was sort of like, it felt like what, whether it was a download of information or whether they just... Um, created a file system so that I could access it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has happened over time is that kind of like something will trigger the opening of a, of a file in my mind, and and I'll go, oh right, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool. but at the time, I remember them telling me all this stuff, and I kept thinking, oh, I knew that, I knew that, I remember that. And the point is that we all know all this information it's inside of us it's just a question of learning how to access it Hmm. we we have all the answers but but basically what they what they told me and what i remember that they told me so far is is that we're you know we're here to love we are we are here on planet earth as an expression of the creative love force in the universe. I I don't like to use the word God because everybody's got their own overlay of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it, it it's not a personality. It's it's a force. It's it's the creative substance of of the universe, and we're all made of it. It is all, that's who, that's what we are. That's who we are. This creative love force. And we are, we're all here uh, to express love in the universe and in all different ways. And through whatever, you know, plays we happened to create with the other beings around us uh, to create our individual lives. You know, we're, we're here to express love and to learn, you know, to learn to express that. Wow. That, I know we've heard this before, like to love, but it's very, it's when we really let it soak in, it's super profound because so many of us are, um, doing a lot of doing and thinking, oh yeah, once we get there, we'll have this and we'll feel this way. (laughs) And it's automatic, I think, no matter how much we know, but I know, even just being with a friend for a couple of days, and I was just 
showering him with love, you know, and things might not have always gone my way. But then when I, it, but like you just saying that, it's like, it really felt good to exercise that love muscle. Love, mm-hmm. loved it. And so all the other little, little stupid stuff, because it really was stupid stuff. Um, like that stuff's not the point. It's how much I expanded my capacity to love. Right. And huh. I think the element of love that we forget about is the acceptance part. Say more about we're that. Not, what do you mean? We're not here to be exactly like everybody else. Thank goodness. <laughs> we're here to be different. Yes. Each and every one of us, each of us brings, you know, if you want to say, we each bring a note to the symphony that nobody else can play except us. It is, it is our note. And the symphony isn't complete without all of us. So what do we do as humans? We say, oh, you don't play a note that's like mine. Ew. You know. <laughs> Or yours is we too have, high pitched, or yours is too right. low, or yours just sounds bad. Or, or you play an ugly instrument, or you're you know, off whatever. key. <laughs> right. We we ah. find we find things to to dislike and fear about other people who are different. Interesting. And and we separate ourselves and and sort of like um, well I pl- I I play a flute note so I'm going to stay over here with the other flutes and you all can just go away and oh my God those bassoon people oh 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 you know right. <laughs> I mean it's we just do that and I don't know whether it's from training or if it's just sort of what you do when you're a human you know yeah I think it's built into our because machinery. we're in this body. Right, we're in this body that has to survive, and you know, and and fear comes. Right. But but to me, fear is the absence of love. Everything is love. You know, on, on the spectrum from the absence of to total complete love. There's this this spectrum, and and everything that exists in the universe is on that spectrum because there really is only love. Everything is made from this love energy. Interesting. And great. And pardon, I know. And, you know, the more we can move along that spectrum, you know, from the absence place, from the fear place to the total love place, you know, the better our lives become mm-hmm. and and the more we emanate that higher vibration because wherever we go, we're emanating whatever vibration we've reached on this on the spectrum of of love. And so that was the biggest thing. That and the fact that, you know, God God doesn't judge us. That's a human trait. Oh, it's fantastic news. Only only humans judge, yeah. and we're great at it. We're really, really good at judging other people and especially judging ourselves. But but God doesn't do that. God just loves us. You know, Ellen, I'm thinking when you're talking about it, I think a lot of us are harder on ourselves than we'd ever be on another human being. Yes, indeed. (laughs) What would it be like to live even one day with no self-judgment, 
just love and compassion for the person who's in your skin. Like, I can't even imagine how great that would be. And, I know. And that is that feeling of love that you got from those beings. Uh, how it much is, more, and I have tried ever since. Yeah, <laughs> how much more productive we'd be, how much more understanding, and oh, wow. So what else happened? <laughs> well, so, you know, we, we, we stood around and talked about the universe. I, you know, one of the things I really did come away with <laughs> that was that... I know that that we are moving toward, you know, the golden age of humanity. And despite what it looks like outside sometime, mm -hmm. um, that this really is the great shift. And we all, uh, you know, oddly enough, <laughs> you know, the, the highly evolved ones came to the planet right now be, so that we could all participate in this shift that's happening in consciousness. And... Um, you know, what we're seeing is a massive shift of, of taking a giant step forward on that, on that spectrum of love. And we're in the process of doing that because, uh, you know, we've played out the whole duality, you know, hate, fear, and loathing part uh, for a long time. And that was fun. <laughs> but we're all pretty much ready to, to move on now. Yes. And, and have more more peace and uh, and 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 love in our lives, mm -hmm. and we really are. Despite you know the headline news, uh, we really are in the process of doing that. So that gave me great hope, and I saw a vision of the golden age of of people really living in love for each other and respect for each other, and and. Um, valuing what each person, valuing that note that each person plays and, and working together collaboration rather than competition mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, sharing the abundance of the earth. There's plenty for everybody. Definitely, um, if, yeah. You know, if we would share. And, and so we really are moving in that direction. And, and so that was really good. I do remember one of the last things was that I was kind of, I feel like I was arguing, but of course they were just saying, you can do whatever you want, dear. And, and I was saying, I'm, I'm not going back there and you can't make me <laughs> because people are mean. And and this kind of love doesn't exist there. And now that I'm here, I know I'm home. Right. And 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 I don't I don't want to go back, you know. And besides, all of me won't fit into that body. I know that for sure. And um, you know, I just I'm staying, you know. And you uh -huh. can't make me leave. And and they're they're going, you know, you are a divine being, and you have uh, free will. Mm -hmm. And you can decide what you want to do. And now here's the kicker. They said, but let us remind you why you picked this particular life to have on Earth. And at that point, I woke up in the emergency room. <laughs> and I swore. And I said, why am I here? And the nurse came over and she said, you were in a car accident, dear. And I said, that's not what I mean. Why am I here? Oh. Said, You're in the emergency room. I said, that's not what I mean. Why am I here? Because so you wanted the, to be somewhere else. Did you, do you remember what they said your, was your reason that you were here in this life? 
it has been every day since then. <laughs> I I have tried to remember that. And um, occasionally I will get a glimpse of, of, of some of the things that they said about why I chose to be here. And, of course, realizing that I was the one who changed my mind and decided to come back. Uh, you know, why Why did I decide to come back and continue it instead of staying there? And and a lot of it, I think, is because these are really exciting times and I wanted to be here. It's sort of like I didn't want to miss the party. Ellen, not only that, but if I was one of those beings, if I was one of those beings, now we've only just met, right? But if right? I was one of those beings, I would show you how... One conversation with you can change somebody's life and impact somebody's life for good. And my sneaky sense is in that split second, you got to see the impact that you would be on other lives. Because even though we just met, your story has brought me so much hope and joy and possibility and wonder and like you've you've been a huge gift to me and yes there's gonna be thousands of people listening and my hope is that it makes a difference to them too but for what you just did for me um if you got a little taste of that <laughs> while you were in the hereafter if you got a little taste of what you just did for me you would say yeah i have to do that more with more people and then you chose to come back because you just gave a huge gift to me and hopefully all of us um, by saying everything you did say. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And you did just give me a total chill. Yeah. So it's, I think it's more than just be wanting to be part of it all. <laughs> it, it really well. is. And, and just knowing you looking at your, um, your website and knowing what you're up to, uh, lionmagic.com, lion like the roar of a lion, um, just seeing that you're a giver and you're making a difference and that's the niche you came in here to fill and to share that this unconditional love is possible and the laughter is possible and the happiness is possible and to I mean I, I get really hard on myself and I'm also silently really rough on other people like why are they the way they are <laughs> but just how mm -hmm. you said that every person plays a different note and love them anyways it's like oh I mean it just like you just created a symphony in my mind of the people in my life that's a gift my dear oh well thank you well and you just gave me such a gift that I'd never quite looked at it that way but it probably is that they showed me a vision of that and I went oh okay yeah no brainer I'm, go I'm going back going back, you know? going back. But, you just forgot but of course since you know we get down on ourselves and I think oh come on you know I have a conversation with somebody, you know, how much difference does that make? You know, who am I? You know, I think, you know, we all get stuck in that. that well, somehow don't we? we can't make a difference oh in, in other people's lives. It's insane. We're, we're just silly. And we all do that. We all do that. We and, do. And we're such a gift for other people, yet we look in the mirror and we're nobodies or there's something wrong with us. Anyway, so let's, our time goes by really quickly, so I know. we can't stay on for hours and hours, but what happened next um, from being in the emergency room? I'm dying to know when you found out or if you found out that the guy turned out the lights <laughs> in the car. Oh. 
Well, I was handed a traffic ticket in the, in the emergency room. Oh, that's insane. For driving without my headlights on. And I'm like, wait a minute, I had my... And then I saw it in my head. It's uh-huh. like, oh my God, that guy came and turned off my lights. And I thought, how, how can I go to court and prove this? Yeah, but that's <laughs> and I interesting. Had him on. Sure, uh, it, it, it was. I was lucky. I was lucky in so many ways. Yes, and, and you know, possibly I made this arrangement. You know, with with the beings that I was talking to, I did not. I had I had a severe concussion because I hit my my head on the steering wheel and then ricocheted into the windshield. I smashed my knees into the dashboard, but. Other than about six weeks of, of recovery, I, I didn't have any, uh, you know, permanent physical damage, Good. which was really, really wonderful. Um, I went to, I had to get a, an attorney and I went to court and fortunately the guy that caused the accident didn't show up. So when the police officer said, well, the other guy said that her lights weren't on, you know, my attorney was able to say, you know, that's hearsay and it got struck. Right. So, um, but, you know, I, I had called in every, I, I was like, okay, you guys, <laughs> don't make me pay a ticket for this. This is ridiculous. And, you know, they came through. I think that's why the other guy didn't show up. Uh, so that, that turned out fine. And, um, uh, you know, well, then I started the long road of incorporating this experience, you know, into into my life because it really is. Everybody hears about the wonderful parts of the NDE, but not too many people talk about uh, the the changes that take place in you because your your priorities change, your your belief system changes, um, your toleration of things changes, and your personality changes. <laughs> Well, that's and, my question is, how do you live life or how is your life different knowing that we don't die? Uh, well, um, and you just said, I, them, I would lo- just speak a little bit more about it or whatever you want I've, to say. Okay. I've, I've, be- I've become more um, fearless in a lot of ways that, that <laughs> I, I never thought I would be. I used to be terrified of public speaking. <laughs> And now I just, you know, take over the room and start I, I can see that. <laughs> You're taking over the airwaves. It's good. No, it's all good. Yeah, and You're because, very confident. And, and it took me a long time, though. I didn't start doing this until I think my first YouTube video went up in, in August of 2007, and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> or I, definitely a panic attack, and I and I called the guy and I said, "You have to take it down." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because I felt so exposed <laughs> and so vulnerable, but I decided, okay, you know, and this is the lion thing. It's like you can't you can't have courage unless you're shaken in your boots. So you know, it is for me. It really has been. Um, I didn't just suddenly get courage because I had an NDE. I, I had to practice it, and, yes. and 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 you know, one one baby step at a time. And and each time, I felt like I was really like going out there on a limb, you know. And and you know, from 2007 to now, now I go in and take over a room. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I felt like I had something that I needed to say and I wanted to say and that people wanted to hear. And, and it was a slow process of getting, you know, the personality, Ellen, and the ego, Ellen, to be okay with that. <laughs> so, um, so that, that was huge. It, it, it was difficult um, and, and kind of took a long time. But, um, you know, overcoming that fear and processing all of the stuff about it. But because um, uh, I had kind of grown up thinking, you know, who wants to hear anything I have to say? And I, and I yeah. had to get over that. Sure, sure. And, um, and, and it, it, it came to, you know, I have to be my authentic self and some people won't like that and, uh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be that anyway. And, you know, we live in a culture that wants everybody to be cut out of the same cookie cutter and wants everybody to act the same way. And, you know, we're worried about whether we're going to lose our job if we speak up and we're worried about whether our relationships are going to end if we speak up or if we decide we want to do something different. So Mm -hmm. it really takes a lot of courage to do that. And, um, I mean, I know that I got, you know, knowledge and, and help from having the, the near death experience because it, it, it just kind of pushed me forward. But, but the worst thing was that I spent about 10 years afterwards, just my, you know, my life just sort of went, <laughs> just tipped over. And, and, and I was, I went into depression for a long time and, you know, didn't want to be here. Sure. And uh, so it, it, you know, it had, it, it's been a step-by-step process, but, but the, I, what I found is that the more authentic you are out in the world, the easier it is. It, it's really astonishing. We spend so much of our life trying to hide these parts of ourselves that we think are different. And, and what I'm finding is that the more you show those parts, the more you share those parts of yourself with other people, the more embraced you are by people because, you know, when we show our vulnerabilities, when, when we show our differences, then it gives other people courage to share theirs. You know, and it, it's amazing. I'm, I'm reminded of a guy that um, spoke on stage and everybody wants to look good and everything. Um, but his zipper was down. And so as much <laughs> And somebody had handed him a note and said, uh, your fly is down. And, you know, and right in front of everybody just turned and zipped it up. Well, he had a good laugh at himself. And Mm -hmm. the truth is, after the seminar, even though there was plenty of other speakers, whose message did they remember? His. Because he's just being real. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, we all we all end up with their zippers down once in a while, you know? But that's we're all human. And it really does I I absolutely loved um the picture you painted of, of a symphony with all the different notes. 
because I mean, I never took the piano, but I can just imagine a common, say, C note, and you just keep playing it over and over and over and over and over. It gets really boring, and the more people I know. with that note, boring, and then people are trying to fit in and, and be that C note by having the, you know, the right body size, the right hair color, speaking the right way, but boring, and then show me somebody that's, I don't, I don't even know, F flat, I don't know even the terminology, Mm -hmm. but give me somebody different and new and uh, who's just real and bold and um, yeah that, that's really good 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 advice for just being who we are and and being confident in that and the truth is I don't think we're ever going to like ourselves so get over that <laughs> Right. other people So as long do as, you know I've as said long as we compare. yeah Yeah. I, I've said this before and I and I have to even tell it to myself You know, there's one Sandra Champlain who looks in the mirror and, oh, I'm so hard on myself physically. I've not done enough getting message of my book out, you know, like all these things. And then there's this world around me that thinks, you know, there's people that think I'm pretty. There's people that think I'm loving and powerful and courageous and all, all this. And so you get a lot of people around you that have the same story about you. You know, you just can't help... But no to your core, I'm not. I'm one person that has one story. There's a dozen people around me that have this different story. Well, guess what? They're right and I'm wrong. You know, and start living the life of who other people tell you you are because that's really who you are. And I don't think we're ever going to like ourselves or be pretty enough or thin enough or powerful enough or successful enough. So just get over it and um, and, and show your vulnerable side. And let us love you. How's that? Right. And, and well, who, you know, and who is it that's telling you that you should be different? You know, it's the advertisers tell us that we should be thinner Yeah, or whatever. right. And, you know, it's Uh, like they're just trying to sell a product. It It's gets like, locked really? in. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Alan, we're getting down to the final minutes. And what I would like to do, if it's all right with you, is just have you tell people what it is you do now that you're have had all this experience. What is an intuitive coach, teacher? I mean, what do you what are you up to? I know you're writing another book, right? I'm writing my book about creating heaven on earth, I love that. and it's I'm all in and on it that. is one soul at a time. It's it's not going to happen because of legislation. It's going to happen as each person, as each each person goes more to love right um, around the world, and and we're all here to do that. We chose to participate in that process. okay good So that's very exciting to me. mhm mm And um, I'm an intuitive coach. I, I still have this connection to these, these beings who are what I call benevolent guardians of, of uh, humanity. And they, they just love us so much. And they're, they're, they're really available to anybody who wants to ask them for help. And, and I do. And I still have this connection. So when I'm working with a client, sometimes I, I will get, downloads of information from them and something will come out of my mouth and I'll go, wow, that was good. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but you know, Yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and it always seems to be just the right thing, you know, for the, for the person to hear. I, I help people see other perspectives on what's happening in their lives. I mean, one of the thing is, you know, a lot of us had, had parents who might have been a little harsh or something, or we
are very difficult. And, and I came up with this analogy that some people come into our lives to be the sand in our oyster to help us become the beautiful pearl we're supposed to be. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to quote you everywhere so, you on know, that one. One of those beings gave me that one, you know, but, but it's true. And it's like even the people who are difficult, if, if we can look at a situation that's really challenging and say, okay, what can I learn from this? And how can I make it better? And, and why would I have this in my life? It's not punishment. It's just, you know, we bring these in so that we can hone ourselves and bring ourselves more to love. So, so I do intuitive coaching. Um, I, uh, I have a fantasy novel um, that has a lot of information about how life works that I learned during my NDE, but mm-hmm. it's still a novel. It's an adventure story. We like that. And, and uh, perfect for Christmas. <laughs> and that's The Search for the Crystal Key. The Search for the Crystal Key. Okay. And um, at the moment, in addition to uh, to those things, I'm, I'm also putting out a free monthly newsletter, which is basically my musing on, on whatever um, issue I happen to focus on at the time. Um, I've done things about, you know, how can we have peace in, our, in the world if we don't have peace in our heart and our own lives? Um, you know, why can't we just get those people to change? <laughs> it's like, you know, we all want everybody else to change, but guess what? We have to change. Sure. It, you know, it's all an inside job and uh uh I'm working I'm working on my next newsletter and I think it's gonna be about um the law of attraction and creating our, our own reality. So I, I like I'm it. I'm not quite sure how that's gonna evolve yet because yeah. it, it always evolves as I'm as I'm writing it. So, um, I look forward to it. I'm going to sign up. Um, Ellen, that keeps me pretty busy. <laughs> you really have not only kept a smile on my face for an hour, <laughs> but you were just filled with being vulnerable, regular, nice, um, insightful, funny, loving. I can just hear in your voice that you're just a, a loving person and you'd be just fun to hang out with. You know, that's, well, that's you. what I'm feeling. And, um, I do these interviews again. Yes. I want to make a difference for every listener, but I'm also looking for the gold for my life. And, you know, I have hard times. I'm not perfect. And you just gave me so much reassurance that it's okay to play my own note you know, be a little different, except the others that are too. Um, I do have hard days and just hearing, yeah, about the sand in in our oyster. And I thought, ah, that's all, you know, I love that. So I want to thank you really from the bottom of my heart. And I, I hope we can connect again and be friends and I'll share you wherever I can. And, um, for our listener, I have a picture of Ellen Die on my website, we don't die radio.com. And you can go there and you can listen to this episode again if you like. And I'll also put the link to Ellen's website, lionmagic.com. So you can sign up for her newsletter, find out more about her and her books. Uh, anything else you want to say, Ellen? And if not, I'll just close um, the show. Well- 
Not really. I, I do, you know, I like to share information about my NDE and, and what I learned from that. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's kind of my mission. And I have a lot of information about that on my website. It's free. Yep. So free is good. So come on by. Yeah, <laughs> that's free, right. Free you know, it's, good. it's all about sharing the love. Well, so. we, we love, we, we do. We loved having you here today. And it really, what a gift. And also to our listener, you could have been doing probably 150 other things than spending this hour with Ellen and I today. So I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen. And I hope it's been a value to you as it has been to me. Um, I want to encourage you that the We Don't Die we don't die radio.com um, is a place where all the past episodes are there. And like Ellen just said, everything's free. And if you want to contact a guest after the episode, fine. If you don't fine and you just want to be inspired. Um, and I believe that life is an education for our soul and that each and every one of us, that our life here really is important. Um, and so I just invite each one of us today to just look outside in our life and think of whether it's the people or the opportunities that's that are really turning us into the pearls to recognize that we're each playing a little different note in the orchestra, but each one of us adds to the beauty of it all. And think of the sound of heaven being the sound of laughter and let's find a little humor in our day today. Can we all do that? I know I'm in a great mood right now. And anything that we can do to pay it forward, create some happiness, create some humor, and just live, lead the rest of the day with a big smile on our face. That'd be a nice intention. So I want to thank again our guest, Ellen Dye, for being here with us. Uh, again, her website is lionmagic.com. And one quick favor, if these episodes make a difference for you, on iTunes, if you search We Don't Die, there's and you have to be logged into your account, if you could just take a moment to either post a review or click on how many stars, hopefully it's five stars you want to give. But believe it or not, people do look at the episodes and if a lot of people like them, it might give them the courage to listen and hopefully it can bring a smile to someone's face or, you know, there's a lot of people grieving and hearing that life after death is real is very profound as we heard earlier in in helping us with the grieving process. So That's all I have to say. I'm Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And yeah, thanks for being here. And we'll see you soon.